This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Clary. C is for chunk. A 93.7 a ticket and the ticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Welcome in. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Clary with you today. Hello, Rico. Hello. How are you doing? I am well. That's good. I'm glad. Anything on your mind? I finished the rest of my pipeline burrito for lunch today. Uh, So, story time about that. I took it home last night. Mm -hmm. I ate... As you should. Yes. I ate a quarter of it here. Same. And then... Not even a quarter. So I, I split mine up into thirds. I ate a okay. quarter of a, th- a third of it here. Mm-hmm. I went home at six, a little after six thirty. Ate it for dinner. Ate mm-hmm. another third for dinner, and then I ate the final third at about nine thirty last night, watching the World Series. It's a three part meal. Yes, and that's saying something for for me. Where <laughs> if you see my stomach, it's pretty large. <laughs> so it's pretty. I uh yeah I took a couple bites here like maybe like three bites they they were decently sized bites but I took it home um along with the hatchback burrito I gave some of yes. uh, make my my wife took those and kind of mixed those together and had her supper um and then I brought the rest of the pipeline here and I just had that for lunch um with a bag of Doritos I crushed up some of the Doritos and put it in there had a little crunch and it was fantastic. Yeah, I was surprised. I forgot that there were crushed up chips in there already. Uh, yeah, I did not know that. And then one of the times I took a bite and it like stabbed me in the roof of my mouth because yes. I wasn't expecting. And I'm just like, ah, oh, what the heck is that? And I like, I like reached in my mouth. I was like, what is this? And I go, oh, it's a chip. And, and it was like, chips. Oh, delicious. It, they were chips. All right. Um, it was a surprise, but it was delicious. As always, 402-464-5685, the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, and the Sarder Heyman Text Line. Those are both open for you all hour long. Um, hope you're joining us on the Sarder Heyman Jewelers video stream as well. Hi. If you're able to, as long as you're not driving. Um, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, join us there as well. Rico can monitor the chat and, and all your comments yeah, say on that something, screen. Say something on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook, and I'll throw it up there if it's, if it's worthy. I'll throw it up there. You can see yourself on the stream. So, yeah, we'll give me, be, something, give me something good. We'll be all good there. I will say this later today, um, from three to six, DP and Jay and Sean Callahan will be live at Tanner's Bar and Grill out there on Yankee Hill. So go and check out check them out here uh, later this afternoon and evening for their show. They'll do one on one and old school from out there, and then. Enjoy some dinner, play some Kino, all that good stuff out there as well. We'll be joined by Aaron Sorensen at 2.30 today, as we are every Wednesday. Kind of help us break down and and figure out what's going on inside the Nebraska football department, as well as the, the volleyball program in addition to that, because uh, there, there's a lot of questions that Aaron will be able to answer that me and Rico are curious about, number one. And I, I want to start here, because Rico, I know you have thoughts on the college football playoff. I have thoughts on the college football playoff. I have how, anger. How we feel about this, but I kind of want to build off of something that we talked about during the pregame there with Tom and Buck that I kind of find interest in. What, what is your reaction going to be Monday if the stadium 
is cleared out by the third quarter. And this is where I want to hear your guys' thoughts as well. 402-464-5685. Feel free to call in, text in, anything you want. Um, we'll, we'll get to every single one of your texts today. So, Rico, right now the spread, I believe, is still at 15 or 14 and a half or so, mm-hmm. um, trending in Ohio State's favor. Is that 14 and a half, you are correct. 14 and a half. What's, what's your reaction going to be Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, when if the stadium is cleared out by the third quarter? Depending on the score, I guess I, I will either be surprised or not surprised. Really, that's, that's the only thing. If Nebraska is down by 17 points, let's just say that. We'll just throw that number out there. Mm-hmm. If Nebraska is down by 17 points midway through the third quarter, heading into the fourth quarter, whatever, uh, whatever the time is there, um, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the stadium is about half empty or if people start getting up and leaving. I, I would be sad to see that. Well, yeah. Because, absolutely. you know, you never know what can happen. But um, if, if they're down by double digits and people start leaving, I guess I, I won't be surprised. But if they're, if they're in the game, if they're down by 10, mm-hmm. if they're down by 7 and people are leaving, like if it doesn't feel – you know how sometimes when you're you're down by seven, but it feels like you're down by fourteen or twenty one. That, that was how last Saturday kind of felt. If it feels like that and they're only down by seven, I, I would still be surprised if Ohio State mm-hmm. is dominating the game, but Nebraska is only down by a single score or or you know ten points, a single score, a field goal. Yeah, I I'll, I'd still be surprised if people start leaving because when something like that happens, it just takes one play. To flip the momentum back into Nebraska's favor, and if the if the stadium's half empty, they get a blocked punt or something crazy. They get an interception, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, something crazy like that. Stadium's half empty. The momentum kind of shifts, but at the same time, it's like there there's no crowd behind you to really rile you up and get the juices flowing. You're gonna have to, as you know, was missing in the in the Minnesota game. You have to bring your own juice in that instance. Um, so. If the score is close and people are leaving, I'd be extremely surprised. If it's if it's heading towards blowout territory or if they're down by over two scores, I mean, they they did it for a single-score game last week. I wouldn't be surprised against Ohio State if they did it. Taylor on the text line says, don't be surprised if the stadium is empty by the end of the first quarter. Now, that's kind of the... the if they give up 21 points in the well, first quarter, yeah. And, and Rico, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously you get to see the text line as well. But judging just from the text line the last couple days, and obviously the loss against Purdue really stunk and and, and burned um, Nebraska fans, and yeah, for good reason. It. For good reason. It feels like ne- nobody is counting Nebraska to be even in this game, it feels like. No, no. Uh, even in the fan base, it seems as if there is a small percentage of fans that still... Um, want okay everybody wants this to work mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to word this there's a small percentage of fans that no matter what happens believe that nothing should change going into next season and okay. and you know despite that or or even with that they will they will be at the games they will show up they will sit through the entire thing no matter what happens there's yep. still there are people like that there's even people who who think that there should be change that will still sit through the entire game because that's just yes. what they do but it seems that it's grown larger and larger the amount of people who are demanding change and the way that they want this to happen or the way that they feel that they can spurn forward spurn change forward is by not purchasing tickets or yeah. or or leaving the game when it gets bad and and showing you know having some sort of show that they can having just having something that they can show the athletic department and the football team that hey 
we are not happy with what's going on on the field, mm-hmm. and this is how we are going to show how we feel and and show you you know what we think of what is happening. There, you made an interesting point earlier, just a couple minutes ago, about how you could look up the scoreboard. It could be a one possession game but it feels like it's much larger of a of a gap mm-hmm. there between on, on the scoreboard and that's kind of how it felt correct me if i'm wrong 402 464 5685 but that's kind of how it felt on saturday is you were looking up on the scoreboard in the fourth quarter and it was a uh you know a, a 10 point game or so and you looked up and you say man this one just feels like it's a much larger gap than it is because nebraska could not get a single thing um, going on offense, mm-hmm. and that was a big talking point. And and to be fair, I mean the defense didn't necessarily play their best game on on Saturday. However, they were asked to do quite a bit once again. And it feels like whenever the defense doesn't necessarily play their best game, it's because the offense doesn't work. It's not working. Now my my, it's not issue, but my gripe with the defense. I guess we'll go with that word. Yeah, is that. Sometimes it takes them a series, a quarter, to a half, running. to maybe not get running, but to adjust to what the other team is doing. So mm-hmm. the problem with that is, you know, if it takes them a quarter, they could be down by 14 by that point. If it takes them a half, they could be down by 21 at that point. But then, you know, the second half starts, and they'll only allow one touchdown. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll be lights out for an entire half. But by that point, if the offense isn't awake... They're already down 21 nothing, 21-7, and then the offense has to figure out how to score points while the defense does their thing. And, and the problem with that, again, is that if the offense can't score points, the defense is out there even longer. And no matter how lights out you're playing, no matter how great your defense is, if you're out there for way too long, your legs get tired, your, your, your lungs get you know heavy, your, your feet get heavy, you start moving slower, you start reacting a little bit slower, and that's when teams score on you, that's when they take advantage of you, and that's when a team can go on a long drive and just and just run the ball down your throat and, and kind of, as Happer calls it, a soul-crusher drive, where after that it just feels like nothing is going to go right. So no matter how great this defense plays and how great this defense is, because they are really good, this is a solid defense, mm-hmm. if the offense can't figure out not only a way to score points, which, I don't know, in football, kind of important. Um, just a way to stay on the field for an extended period of time and not go three and out three or four times in a row and throw the defense right back out there. There's no way this team can find a way to win games. You talk about getting down early or preventing the you getting down early if you're a Nebraska football defender. This is the weekend that you cannot afford that at all. The offense needs to be clicking on all cylinders and and rolling on all cylinders if they want a chance to compete. I'm not surprising anybody by that statement. Let, let's just run through. And, and here's where I kind of want to get into this conversation. Let's get to a couple of the texts on the text line, though, okay. here. Um, Joe says, we're going to play and we're going to win. I, I hope so. I hope so, Joe. I really do. Uh, Mr. Unlimited says, asks, is the sellout streak over this week or are they doing the red carpet thing? I think they're doing the red carpet experience, but... I, it's going to be interesting to see how the the ticket market is looking. Let me. There was somebody who posted. I believe it was Caleb Henry posted that uh, from this from the university tickets are selling for one hundred twenty five dollars, but you can get them on secondhand sites for mm-hmm. much less than that. Okay, let's see. Just looking at StubHub here, the cheapest one that comes up is twenty bucks, and that is row ninety six. 
In, That's not bad. In the North Stadium? Yes. That's not yes, bad. Yes, North Stadium. 20 let check, bucks. Let me check the weather while you're checking the ticket prices. So it looks like you can get them for as expensive as... Oh, Ooh, Saturday's going to be nice. High of 49. High of 68. High of 68. Low of, low of 39. Uh, it's going to be sunny. Doesn't look like there's any clouds. That's going to be nice. Look at that. All right. Go get your $20 ticket and sit in the stadium. Watch yes. Nebraska play a close game against Ohio State, possibly pull out a win. The most expensive you can pay for a ticket is about 125 bucks a pop. And that's in the club. Okay. So so there's your, your little ticket update there. There you go. Um, Get in the club for the first time. 125 bucks against Ohio State. You can watch a bunch of first-rounders play. That's that's a very interesting one there, Rico, because that's what we're going to talk about. Once I, I want to I want to get to this text. Who decides if Frost gets fired or another year? Albert's chancellor and president or wealthy donors? All of the it's, above. Yes, it's all of the above. Mostly, I feel like it's Albert's. Or it's it's Trev. However, there is there are ways that his hands can be tied mm-hmm. to an extent, um, pretty much. I feel like if enough of wealthy donors get together, maybe they can make some mm-hmm. sort of push, but. Overall, I feel like it's it's the AD, the chancellor, the president who decide you know if the football coach needs to be changed or not. Well, and here's a here's a conversation that we could have before we get into the talent gap thing. Is there are ways for this to improve without firing and getting rid of the whole staff? There are ways that this improves without getting rid of Scott Frost. Now, I'm sure there's people out there, and and I'm sure we'll get texts. And you guys have a valid point. The ones that say, well, Scott Frost makes all the decisions. Scott Frost is the head coach. He he runs he he runs everything here. And you have a valid point. Mm-hmm. However, there are ways that the staff and the team can improve if Frost isn't the guy to go. And by that, I mean making changes with the assistants. Whether that's offensive side, whether that's defensive side. Because you can look at the defense and say, maybe there's been play that hasn't been up to expectations some games and I think a lot of people would say the offensive side is where it needs to be looked at Mm -hmm. um the the main the two most popular names are are the offensive line coach Greg Austin and Mario Verduzco Mm -hmm. that's just the two two most popular names but you could look at it and say the offensive coordinator you could look at it say um open up one of those spots for a special teams coach there's there's many ways that you can navigate this and this is exactly what I'm saying is there are ways that Frost, uh, that Scott Frost can improve this program and, and Trev Alberts can help improve this program without firing Frost and burning everything down. I mean, I feel like there are also ways that you can improve this program without firing anybody. I feel like if you just move people around in, in certain spots and you, you know, change maybe somebody's title from coach to analyst or something, you yes. know, along those lines. Which... If you because because if you yeah. change somebody's name from coach to analyst, then you can bring in a special teams coach or something of something of the likes. So, you know whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. You know that's the most popular thing to do. As um, long as a monkey doesn't hurt a kid on Halloween. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> no pole assassins, please. <laughs> um, but there's also ways that look. I don't know everything that Scott Frost does. I don't know how hands on he is mm-hmm. in every aspect of this team. I don't know how hands-off he is in every aspect of this team. But there, if, if I, I don't know how to word this. If he trusts his assistants enough to let them, you know, lead their position groups or, or you know, 
if he is the one calling plays, if he trusts Matt Lubick enough to let him call plays, and maybe Scott can go around the sideline and, and they can bounce stuff off of each other, but in the end, you know, Matt Lubick is the one calling plays. If if Adrian Martinez, as, as DP has said, he has three different voices in his ear. He's got the head yeah. coach, he's got the offensive coordinator, and he's got his quarterback's coach. If Scott can trust... Matt Lubick or Mario Verduzco, if they can trust each other and work in tandem enough to get their quarterbacks to 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 hear one thing, one consistent voice, and and get that out to them and get it out onto the field, that could improve quarterback play. The offensive line, if if the quarterback play improves, maybe the offensive line game improves. You know, vice versa. You know, which came first, chicken or the egg, etc. The running back room, if that can improve, and I mean, you've got guys in there with multiple different. I mean, you've got Greg Austin, who's the who's the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator. You've got guys mm-hmm. with with multiple titles in there. Maybe maybe you give somebody else. Uh, that and you just let Greg Austin focus on the offensive line. Maybe you get Ryan Held, who is the running backs coach, the 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 yeah. run game coordinator. Although he's also one of your better recruiters, so you've got people in here doing multiple jobs, trying to juggle so many different things that they've got to do. Maybe if you lighten the load on some of these people, you can you can see improvement in the team because people aren't having to you know divide their attention between you know. Let's go with with Greg Austin. He doesn't have to divide his attention between you know coaching the offensive line on on what they have to do on pass plays, what they have to do on run plays, and then you know trying to figure out you know helping out the running backs with okay on this play we're doing this because I mean he's coordinating the run game so you know on this play you're going here you're doing this this is what you have to look for and he can just focus on the offensive line like this is where your eyes need to be this is where your hands need to be this is where your feet need to be. We get this off the text line, 402-464-5685, need new play caller. What I will say to that Who's is, the play caller? Bingo. Do we know who's calling plays? Because last we heard was against Rutgers last season when we found out that halfway through last season that they started splitting up play calling duties. Do we, do we know who is calling plays? Do we know every single job that, that coaches are doing? Because it could very well have changed since the start of this season. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at, is that there's not a whole lot of transparency. And I understand this isn't about letting us go, letting the media go and watch practice. That's not about this. But I'm saying when there are good things happening in your program, you want to tell people about it. Mm-hmm. And you should want to tell people about it. Because people also, the, the fan base that is Nebraska fans when it comes to football is second to none. So when there are good things when you claim there are good things, you want to t- talk about it. You should want to talk about it. And there's no reason that you shouldn't if there are good things going on inside the program. Let's do it to a couple more of these before we get to Aaron Sorensen and take take a uh, take a quick break. Um, Beansky says this, it feels that way because we've seen it for four years, talking about the offense. Mm-hmm. The offense still still doesn't work. I'm surprised that the defense hasn't thrown in the towel. Frost has little to nothing to do with the strong point of this team and everything to do with the weakness. Jason says this, we went two and out a couple of times, or three, I'm guessing maybe three and out a couple of times. Our defense can't hold up when that happens. That's true. Beansky adds, I would rather watch paint dry than go out and support a pathetic losing product. Ouch. Qdoba guy, I will be tracking this game on my phone unless they prove to me that they deserve to raise my electric bill by turning my TV on. Qdoba guy, let us... Let us um, Give you reasons that they you should we watch did, it. We did this, this last week. <laughs> Let's do it again. Did this last week. Let's Kido encourage Baguette. you. No, here we go. Kido guy, you don't have to raise your electric bill. Go to Tanner's. Watch yes. the game with DP. Yes. Uh, before the post game show, and you can get some knowledge while you're watching football. Bingo, Kido guy. 
You don't even have to burn, use your electric bill. There you go. You just have to, you know, however far away from Tanner's you live. Beanski adds, this team is not close. Frost is 15 and 26. He's not close. Um, I mean, okay. Record-wise, not close. Yeah. Um, statistically, they are close. <laughs> if you if you just go off of offense, defensive statistics, they, they're very close. They're very good. But, you know, scoring offense – not great. Scoring defense, really good. It's just there's so many different like there's so many different statistics and things you can take and just be like, okay, Nebraska, you know, they're they're three and six. That's obviously bad. You know, your record is terrible and you are what your record says you are. But offensively and defensively, you move the ball pretty well. You stop people from moving the ball pretty well. What's what's wrong here? And yeah. and if you can find a way to fix the catastrophic mistakes that have broken this team for for these last four years. I mean, how many games would you have won if you if you if if your kicker makes field goals, if your punter kicks it to the right side of the field, if you're if you're not you know getting holding penalties in critical situations every single time it feels like, if you're not false starting, if you're not getting delay of games coming out of timeouts, coming out of TV timeouts, if you're yeah. not you know you don't have the play in on time, like if you're just avoiding those mental gaffes, the things you can control, there's so much more that this team can do. Here's an interesting one um, from an unnamed texter. It says, get a grip. If Frost isn't gone, there is no change. Here's what I'll say to that. Is What I'm going to say is that if you surround your people or you surround yourself, and this is where kind of where Trev Alberts could play a pretty big role in this, um, not necessarily doing what Sean Eichhorst did and told Mike Riley to go hire Bob Diaco. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying to have his fingerprint you know, sprinkled on the the coaching hires or coaching changes. However, what I'm saying is that if there there comes to a, a time where it's Scott needs to change the people that are around him and put better football minds around him, what negative can that do for, for Scott Frost learning? We've always talked about how Scott Frost is still learning how to be a head coach and learning how to coach in the Big Ten. So that's exactly what I'm trying to get at is that you may, if you're Trev Alberts, you may look at this and say, maybe I don't need to make a change right at the top yet. At we can maybe we can let him let him have one more year. And I know people won't agree with that, won't like that, and and whatever side of the boat you are on, that that's fine. However, there are ways that this could improve, or you could show progress, or that you this three and three and nine, four and eight, five and seven year isn't good enough. There are ways to show that you're not accepting mediocrity without getting rid of everybody. And that's that's all I'm saying. You guys know exactly what's kind of the side of the fence I'm on here because of, of what I was saying yesterday about how Frost ha- un- unfortunately hasn't been able to beat Minnesota, hasn't been able to beat the bottom, of the bottom feeders of the Big Ten West even. And that's frustrating. It's okay four years in if you're not beating Oklahoma and Ohio State year in and year out. But you had to beat the the Michigan, or excuse me, the the Northwesterns, the Purdue's, the Minnesotas. You have to beat those guys first. And unfortunately, you're sitting here six and fifteen in the Big Ten West in your four years, and you're saying what needs to change. I'm just giving op- options. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Rico. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just reading the text line and, and you know drumstick saying Rico statistically Frost is fifteen to twenty seven. I know you are what your record says you are, yes. but. Offensively, indeed, the defense has improved year after year. The offense has has not improved year after year. In fact, they've 
possibly gotten worse year after year, but somehow they're still yeah. a top 20 offense in the entire nation. So, I mean, you, you've got that going for you. You just need to figure out a way to score points. You need to figure out a way to stop shooting yourself in the foot, and those uh, those L's are going to turn into W's. I mean, it it's frustrating. And we've told we told you guys earlier this week. We told you guys on Monday how we felt about it and how you know if if Frost you know doesn't get at least two more wins mm-hmm. that possibly they should be looking at change. Um, I'm I'm not going to come out. I'm not going to straight out. I'm not going to come out to write you right now and say they need to fire Frost and hire somebody else. I still think. Well, I still hope that he can work here, and I still think that this season is not over, and that they might be able to pull out at least one more win. We'll see who that's against. We get this off the text line. We'll we'll get to this, and then we'll take a break here because we're a couple minutes behind. At what point do results matter to you guys? There is no but. You are what you are. At what point did this woulda, coulda, shoulda crap become acceptable? You keep frost, you're accepting mediocrity, period. The fact that this is even a discussion is laughable. All I'm saying Nobody is nobody is arguing the fact that Scott Frost has underachieved here. And and I was the one that on Monday said that you cannot switch expectations midway through the season and say that five wins would be acceptable this season. And I'm still so solidly in that boat. I am 100% in that boat saying that at the beginning of the season everybody's expectation was six wins so at the be- at the end of the season despite who you played despite your schedule because we sat here at the beginning of the season myself included saying you need to beat Illinois you need to beat Michigan State you need to beat Purdue Michigan State kind of caught everybody by surprise but Nebraska was still in that game they still should have won that game you cannot that that's exactly what I'm trying to get at also is that you cannot switch your expectations at the end of the season, you can be realistic and say Michigan State was better than where we than what we thought. But look at that. Nebraska was still in that football game and they still should have won that game. And so that's where right now five wins isn't good enough. I, that's exactly what I'm saying is if Nebraska finishes the season five and seven, you can still be upset, upset that that they did not meet expectations still because they didn't because they did not meet expectations. But there are ways that you can work around it without burning the whole thing down. There are ways that you can still get better and give another year without burning the whole thing down. And if you want to go the route of burning it all down, then whatever. We're going to back Nebraska, and we're going to back Trev Alberts because I will tell you this right now is that I don't tr- I trust Trev-, Trev Alberts more than I've probably trusted any of the previous administrations. Just hearing him talk, and, and if you question that, go, ba- go on to our YouTube and listen to his interview with, with Happer and DP back at Big Ten Media Days. And that should give you guys... Um, some some hope and on what decision Trev Alberts is going to make. Let's get to break. We're running a couple minutes behind. We'll get to Aaron Sorensen of Hill Varsity next on 93.7 The Ticket. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.